The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Okay, we want to turn to John chapter 4, verse 27. I want to read the passage. It's verse 27 through 42. The situation is Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at Sychar at the well, and that's what this is all about. But it starts off this way. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called, the word Messiah means anointed. It's the word for Christ that we have in the New Testament. In fact, it says in parentheses, he who is called Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with the woman. That's because the Pharisees had said that men should never speak to women in public. Not even a man speaking to his wife. I haven't, I haven't checked that one out with my wife. But uh, even men that were married were not to speak to their wife because they thought they were inferior beings and they, weren't, they shouldn't be talked to in public. So the woman uh, left her water pot and went into the city. She was carrying this heavy water pot that held many gallons. She had come to the well there. That's where he meets her. She came to the well to draw water for her family. Now, you probably have read this before, and some speculate that there's something wrong with her. The other women in the village don't appreciate her because she's there at a different hour. She comes at noon, which is very hot, and it's a, not the time typically that women would gather at the well. It says, they went out of the city and were coming to him. That is all the people from Sychar, this village, were coming out to Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now, remember, this woman just said, could this be the Messiah? because he's told me many things about myself that no one could have known. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Because he had come on a long journey. They had been walking a long ways. And uh, he was famished and, and tired. And uh, somebody they thought maybe somebody had brought him food. But then he says, so his disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the will of the Father, what the Father wants me to do. Uh, do you not say there are four months and then the harvest? What he's talking about is there was four months between the time that they would uh, sow the crop and then the time that they would cut it and, and bale it and so forth. And there was only four months, and he says, but what's happened here is that the time between these two, the sowing and the reaping, has shortened so much because God has blessed them and their crops have grown. And so he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. He's talking about the goodness of God and how God has blessed them richly. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps will rejoice together. Imagine that if both the sowers and the reapers uh, did their job at the same time and they were very happy for their wages, it would it would kind of double the whole happiness because everybody it was doing it was uh, it was timed perfectly for them. For in this case, the saying is true: one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. In other words, he sent them out at a time when the sowing had already taken place. All they had to do was reap it. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. The Samaritans are a mixed breed. They, are, they were, I was trying to think what country came in and took them over, and they uh, displaced all the citizens, and they mixed them with people from other parts of the world so they wouldn't be purebred Jews. 
She says to the men in the village from the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So here's this woman. She's of irreputable background, and she is being used by God to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It says, from that city, many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I have done. Remember, he told her, he said to her, go and get your husband and come back here. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, well, you speak correctly because you have five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. And uh, so he was telling her everything about her that she didn't know there was any way he could possibly know this. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. After the next two days, he went forth from there. He stayed only. He stayed in Sychar for just two days, and then he left. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, that's his own country, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast, and they saw these supernatural signs that he had done. And then, therefore, he uh, came again to Cain of Galilee, that back to his homeland, where he had made the water into wine, and there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. And he tells a couple of stories about people who needed him to heal someone in their family. They were doubtful that he would do it, but he did. He exercised this power of his, and he healed them. This is the setup of the story. This is the situation he's in. And, but what we see in Jesus is that he reveals the heart of those who he's talking to. He has a compassionate heart, even though this woman is of a bad reputation, so to speak, and yet he treats her with kindness and goodness, and he tells her the truth about the gospel and about who he really is. We see the compassion of the Redeemer's heart here, and this is what is always true of him. But it also reveals his wisdom. He had uncommon wisdom. He knew how to speak to people. He fascinated her into eternal life and enticed her to the truth. He exercised a wondrous power over her in a few but blessed sentences. He tells her briefly about himself and who he is, and she believes upon him, and she becomes a witness. That's what this text is about. It's about the power of personal witness. This woman became the personal witness for Jesus Christ. And she ends up winning an entire village. Think about that. An entire village comes to faith in Christ. Sychar, uh, among the Samaritans, and they come to faith in Christ. How did he develop this in, in 30 years? He's only 30 years old. How did he develop this skill of talking to people? Well, it says in Isaiah 50, verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongues of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. A disciple is someone who is like a mentor, and he, is, he is, puts his whole future into the hands of this person that has become his disciple-maker. Typically, what happens often is people get so, they come down so hard on a person to see them come to Christ that they drive them away from Christ. But what Jesus showed was his ability to draw them close. And uh, that's because he wanted personal witnesses. He wanted people who had a relationship with him to tell others about him and to be a personal thing. The disciples were shocked and the rabbis taught this 
that let no man prolong conversation with a woman. This is actual wording. Let no one converse with a woman in the street, not even with his own wife, because they're unfit for religious instruction. They're inferior beings. Jesus, believe me, I don't believe this. (laughs) And it isn't true. What Jesus did was he lifted the woman up to be in the same place, having the same status as the man. But they had a different role. Now, they didn't really understand his mission, what he was there for. He was there to seek and save the lost. He wasn't there to fix people. He wasn't there to, to make them look better. He was there to save the lost, those who were scarred and those who were affected by sin, and they needed a Savior, and he was there to be that Savior. He had already died on the cross, and now he is calling them to faith in himself. So he has more tenderness for sinners than the whole of us put together. Jesus loved sinners. That's an amazing truth, because you'll find that a lot of Christians, from what they say, they don't really believe that that's true. But it is true that Jesus loves sinners, and he wants us to take the gospel to sinners. He wants us to take it as those who are personal witnesses of Christ, that we know Christ. And what are we saying? You'll notice in this text that she says about three times, come and see, come and see this man who's told me everything about myself. What is it? What's, what's the point? Well, she's not, she doesn't just become a Jesus expert. She wants you to come and meet Jesus because it's not her that's going to affect you. It's Jesus. What he does in the lives of people when they come in contact with him is he transforms their lives and they become personal witnesses of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to see this encounter with Christ transformed her into a witness and how personal witness is the most powerful force in the advancement of the gospel. This is what we need more than anything else, more than great preachers, more than evangelists. We need believers who are personal witnesses of Jesus Christ. He has changed their life. And so they gladly invite others to come and meet him and witness him and find out who he really is. So this is what we do. We tell people about the light, that he's the light. If you come to him, you will come to see the truth and you'll see true wisdom. Notice the results of the woman's encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. She becomes a messenger for God. The woman with the five failed marriages. That's quite a record, isn't it? She said five failed marriages and the immoral lifestyle that she had now, and yet she becomes a messenger for God. She responds to the Lord's command, go call your husband. And so what she does, she tells him the truth. She responds to his command, "Uh, I I don't have a husband. And he says, well, you're speaking the truth because you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. So after the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee, where Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor except his own country, and Galilee was his country. So when he came into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. That's where he had been, and they had been, and they saw him, and they heard him, and they themselves also went to the feast because they wanted to see who this Jesus was. This woman shows us what happens to a person when they become a personal witness of Jesus Christ. This is what is absolutely necessary in order for there to be conversions, for people to turn to Christ. There has to be people who know him, who actually bear witness for him and of him. Jesus is amazing, and when you meet him, you're going to be amazed. You have been amazed because he is like no other person. He's like no other person you will ever meet. He has a role in your life like no other person ever will have. He is amazing. And so this is exactly what uh, what he's talking about was this amazing personal witness. But the personal witness he's talking about is not himself in this case. 
It's this woman, this Samaritan woman. Now, as being a Samaritan woman, she was an outcast as far as the Jews were concerned. She was marked by her ancestry and so forth. And they did not consider her to be a follower of the living God. You remember, she says to him a little later, she says, you know, we worship here in this mountain, Mount Gerizim. And what they had done, they had set up another religion that parallels Judaism. And they had many similar things. But you, you Jews worship in Jerusalem because that's where the, the temple was built. And uh, so Jesus tells her, well, that's because true religion comes from the Jew. It's because it came to us first. But the fact is that any person, regardless of your background, regardless of how many husbands you have, you there is one Savior, and that Savior will save all those who come to him in faith and put personal faith in him. And so she spoke briefly. That's, these are positive things, by the way. She spoke self-forgetfully. She didn't focus on herself, so she didn't make excuses for the things that had been revealed about her, having five husbands and so forth. Uh, but she spoke forgetting herself. She knew that this was not the purpose why she was speaking. She was speaking so they would come to know who Jesus Christ was. And then she spoke briefly. The men she was speaking to needed no more words. They they had already heard what she had said, and she was successful in leading them to Jesus. That's what they did, because she said to them, come and see a man. Come and see him. That's different than let me come over and talk to you. I want to bring my rivalry study Bible over and talk to you for a couple hours. Would that be okay? No, she didn't do that. She said, come and see the man who I believe is the Messiah. And so they were speaking And she was speaking to a needy world. They didn't need any more words from her because she had spoken the truth and they heard it. Brevity is a great virtue. That is shortness. You don't have to talk for five hours. I remember talking to a guy at my place. We were standing out of the arena and uh, leaning against a fence and we're talking. And uh, I was so surprised because he had grown up in a Christian family, but he was so hungry to know about Jesus Christ. I wondered, what happened to you? Why are you so appear to be so needy when it comes to knowing who Christ is. But what it was, he was so fascinated with Christ. And so he felt free to ask questions. And it was wonderful because I didn't have to talk for five hours. I just had to, to speak to him straightforwardly and tell him who Jesus Christ is and tell him why Jesus Christ wants him to come to have a relationship with him. And then, and then we're told that she also speaks with sensitivity and strength. Listen to this. This is not the Christ, is it? Or could this be the Christ, the New King James says? She spoke with great modesty. Uh, She believed that Jesus was the Christ, but she knew that men did not think that they should be taught by a woman. And she humbly threw it out there for their examination. Could he be the Christ? Why don't you come and judge? Why don't you come and listen to him and you tell me, do you think he is the judge? She doesn't express all that she believes, but she does want to tell them that they need to come to investigate this person. They need to come to know him. And so her argument is really strong. This man has told me all things about that I've done, and he must be the Christ, because only the Christ could know such things. Notice the force of her reasoning, his power to read her heart and manifest her to herself was conclusive evidence to her that this man must have an anointing from God. Uh, this is an invitation. It's not, a, it's not just information. She isn't just telling him, well, Jesus died and was buried and rose again. She is telling him, she is inviting him to come to know this person, this Lord Jesus Christ, because she wants him to come to hear the message about Christ, because giving this message isn't just giving information about him. 
it isn't just talking about him. You know, he's a Jewish man. He's probably five foot four. He has long hair, it looks like in the pictures, right? Of course, we don't know if those pictures really have revealed the kind of hairdo he had. But the point is that she wasn't giving out just information. She wanted to invite him to come to know Christ and to get to know him and to become his follower. I can say with absolute conviction this morning that my Lord Jesus is the most precious Savior. I have no doubt whatsoever that he's the most amazing person alive. And if you come to know him, you will never be sorry. It will change your life. It will change everything about you. We're told in Psalm 34, 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Jesus said to the disciples, come and see, back in John chapter 1, verse 39. This was when the disciples came and said to him, where are you staying? And he said, well, come and see. And that was his approach to people. He wanted them to come closer. He wanted them to get to know him. He wanted them to get to know who he was and what he was. And so this is a very personal invitation. She doesn't say, go see a man. She says, come along. I'll go with you, and I'll lead the way, and I'll show you where he lives. She had not had too much of him. She wants to go back, and she wants to see him, and she wants to learn more about him. And you think about your kids. We usually listen on this morning every week to the children in a Sunday school class in our church, and uh, it's amazing to me how interested they are to know who Jesus Christ really is. And so... This is why we're told, don't send your kids to Sunday school, but get out of bed and take them yourself. You've all sang that, haven't you, as you were laying in bed? <laughs> Sometimes uh, Christians think, well, you know, you, could, you can have too much of Jesus. You can hear too much about him. I go to church three times a week, and I know all about Jesus. I don't need any more instructions. Well, the deal was that these men had heard about Jesus, and they were very interested in who he was. That's why they were here. They always go far end of of their commission. We should always go to the far end of our commission. If we're going out to to take Christ to people, we need to not fall short of it. We need to attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. That God will allow you to be the one who brings the message of the gospel to people that are in your life. God placed them there for that very purpose. And so she focuses on her mission. So the woman left her water pot and she went into the city And she kept on saying to the men in the city that she lived in, in Sychar, she kept on saying to them that they should come and see this man. There's moments when the servant of God is so gripped by the heavenly realities that earthly matters are just kind of forgotten. Sometimes you get so interested in in what you're looking at in the Word of God that it just carries you away. But what God wants you to do, he wants you to remember that you are a guide and you are someone introducing the Lord Jesus Christ to someone And you want to be able to take them to him. And a lot of times what that means is you open the word up and you show them what he says and what is said about him. This is what's really most important. If you're thinking that maybe that person needs Christ, the best thing you can do is to tell him who Christ is and tell him what he's all about. Tell them about his character. That is what we should do. And so this this was an invitation. She was inviting them to come and learn about this Jesus. Even though she was not interested in elevating herself, she wasn't interested in them being impressed with her. She wanted them to be impressed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she's bearing witness of Christ. And this is what God has called you to do. He's called you to bear witness of Christ. Not to be an expert, not to be a theologian, but to lead people to Christ, to lead them to Christ. You can come to the the scriptures and hear his words and see the effects of his life 
in, in the lives of people that, that were close to him. And this is what God wants you to understand and know. This is what God will do for you. This is what Christ will do in your life. And so um, she invites these men to come and see. She wants them to see Jesus, and she wants to hear what he's saying. And they end up saying, now we believe not because of what the woman has said, but because of what Jesus says. We believe what he says about himself. And this is exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to see, we want to see people come to believe the truth of this witness. Remember in Isaiah 53, it says, who has believed our witness? Who's believed our testimony? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What he's saying there is, has anyone received the message from you? When you tell them who Jesus is, you try to lead them to Christ. Do they come? Do they go to Christ? And then he says, and has anyone experienced the arm of the Lord? Is it extended to their life? And that's talking about the work of God. Has God done a work in your life? Is he doing something in your life? And this was what was happening with this woman. She was being impacted by this. She focuses on her mission in verse 28. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and kept on saying to the men in the city, when the servant of God is so gripped by heavenly realities that earthly matters are forgotten, there are times when you can divide you cannot divide the strength of your thoughts by having two or more aims. John Carson says this. He says you have to be focused and you have to have transitions. You have to know when you need to go to the next subject. You need to be clear about who Christ is. People need to know him. This is the only thing that can save them is this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we are called to do is to let God bring us into situations where we can point Jesus to Christ and see them come to meet him and come to know him. And it's that that converts people. It's their, They come to know the truth about him, and they put their faith in him because he's a trustworthy man. And this is what she did. So the woman left her water pot. She went into the city, and she kept on saying to the men the same things. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is he the Messiah? Could this be the Messiah? And sometimes what we want to do is we want to convince people because of our knowledge I've, I've read the entire Bible, and I have come to know that this is the truth about who he is. That's not near as effective as you saying, why don't you discover who he is? This is what he claims, and see if it's really true. So she focuses on her mission. So the woman left her water pot, came into the city, and she kept on saying to these men, come and see this man. And she's probably thinking, I have an urgent errand to run, but I'm coming back again. I'm going to come back to him. I want to know more about him. I want to understand him. I haven't listened to the great teacher for the last time. I am, I'm going to return and hear him further. This is what we're called to do. We're called to be d- disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to hear who he is and what he says. We want to take for granted uh, the truth that he gives us in the Word of God. For example, we're told in uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10, it tells us that we can, that sinners, and that's us, sinners can have fellowship with God. And how? How is that possible? After all, God is light. And if you say you have fellowship with him and you walk in darkness, you lie and do not do the truth. But he tells us there the way that we have fellowship with God is that we walk in the light. We trust him and we confess our sins because the light means that we allow the light to shine into our lives. We're not hiding anything. We're there to point people to Christ. And we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to give people a a pedigree and tell them, well, this is who I am. This is what's happened in my life. I hope you all understand that we've all failed. We're all broken. We have all experienced failure in our life. But this is the wonderful thing about Christ. He never abandons us. 
He knows exactly what our weaknesses are. And he doesn't abandon us, becomes close. And so we want people to come to know him. And the people, sometimes we, we, God brings a person into our life that we think, man, that's a needy person. That person needs a lot of help. Well, who do you think Jesus is? He's the person who can give a lot of help, supernatural help. He can turn people's hearts. And so she focuses on her mission. That's what she was doing. Now, she was probably thinking, you know, I have an urgent errand to run, but I'm coming back again, so I haven't listened to the great teacher for the last time. I'm going to return and hear him further. In other words, I want to go back. I want to know him more. This is, a, this is truth of every personal witness. They want to know Christ more than they know him. But that doesn't mean you don't bear witness now. You bear witness in your infancy as a believer. You bear witness in your middle ages of being a believer, and you, you witness to Jesus as you die. I've had... Uh, in, in my life, I had a group of adults that were much older than me. I was a little boy, and they were grown-ups in, in their late 30s and 40s and a couple in their 50s. And they used to talk to me about Christ all the time. Every time they came to my house, they would get me in another room, set me on their lap, and start telling me about Jesus. I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad I came to know things about Christ because somebody wanted me to know about Christ. They knew that that was the greatest need I had in all of life. And so I am, am grateful for that, and that's what I want to see us doing, too. I want us all to do the very same thing, that we, would, that we would be engaged in being a personal witness to people in our lives, whether they're little children or adults. People need to hear. I, I got a big kick. I had one uncle, Monroe Stevens. He used to be a pastor in Antioch. When he would come over to our house, he would always take me in the other room. He would set me on his lap, and he would begin to tell me about Christ, always telling me about Christ. I picked up on the fact that that was the most important thing to know about Christianity. It's about Christ. It's knowing about him. It's knowing that he is the Savior and the Messiah. He is the one who can save us. He's the one who has forgiven us our sins and so forth. And so this is exactly what she wants to do. She wants these men to come to know the truth about who Christ is, not about them. In fact, she had things about her that you would want her to hide. You would think that she would hide. She has... She's had five failed marriages, and yet she's told this story in front of them, but she's not bragging. She's simply telling them the truth. She's being absolutely transparent because she's witnessing to the one who is transparent. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truthful, and he's transparent, and he tells us the truth. And so in Psalm 34, 8, it says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Jesus to the disciples said, Come and see, when they asked him, Where are you staying? Well, come and see. Let me show you. I'll show you where I'm staying. And we're never told where he was staying. But he takes them so that they can see where he is staying. It's, that's an amazing thing that, that Jesus wants you to know about him. He wants you to know where you can find him. He wants to know where he wants you to know where he is. And he wants to know, he wants you to know what the truth is and what he believes as the truth, because we know that he has a perfect understanding of truth. So this is a very personal invitation, and that's what we are called to be. We are called to be personal witnesses. We're called to give personal testimony to the person of Jesus Christ. That is, I have to really know him. Now, all of us know a person or two in this world really well, and we could tell people all about them, tell them where they went to school and all those kind of things. But what God wants you to do is he wants you to so know Jesus Christ that when you talk to people about Christ, they're going to hear the truth about Christ. They're going to hear the whole truth about Christ. I would suggest you do something it's real simple. Is Take the book of First John. It's a little short book. It's five chapters, but it's a short book. 
And uh, to read that book and just use that book to find out who Jesus Christ is and why he came into the world. It's as clear as it can be. And there are truths in that book that we need to know so desperately. We need to understand that God doesn't want us to hide our sin, for example. I used to think that. I thought I grew up in a church. That's what I thought you were supposed to do is hide your sin. It's bad sinning, but you should hide it. You shouldn't let anybody know about it because that's worse than committing the sin. That's not true. Jesus Christ says the way that you deal with your sin is this. You confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this is who Jesus really is. And he wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know when you're talking to somebody who's really broken and you find out they've had five broken marriages, instead of saying, you know, you've got a real problem, you say, let me tell you about a, a Savior who saves people and who loves people and puts his affection on people who are failures and broken. In fact, you're going to find that in, among Christians, you're going to find people that are very broken. They have all kinds of problems. But what they do have in common is they have a Savior, and this Savior is able to save to the uttermost. And that's what he wants you to do. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the truth of the gospel. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that you, you've sent messengers and you've sending us. And we pray that we'd be faithful in, in going and we'd be faithful in calling people to come and investigate this person, to know him, to really know him, Father. We pray that you would do that. We pray that we would live lives that would cause people to want to know him. And we pray, oh God, that you would make us like you are, that we would love people the way you do, that we would be willing to love people that are broken as much as we are, and that we would uh, see them as those that you can save and make whole, and that that's what we pray for. We ask you, oh God, to work in their lives. We ask you that you would help us to pray for people who are having struggles in their life instead of ignoring it, that we would pray to you, and we would ask you, Lord, to move into their life and accomplish good purposes in their life. Bring them to to uh, come to trust Jesus completely and put their faith in him and to walk in the Spirit, to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that the hope of glory is Christ in us, which means that my expectation that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see all the promises fulfilled in my life is the fact that Jesus Christ is living in me not because of anything else. It's not because of the seminary I went to or anything else. It's nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ and his wonderful presence. So we pray you'd work in our lives. Give us a desire to be personal witnesses of Christ. Father, help us to have ears that hear, eyes that open, and we would see the advantages, see the opportunities we have to speak to people about this glorious Jesus. We pray that you would work in our lives in that way for the glory of Christ and for your glory and your pleasure in Jesus' name. Amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.